Amen. Amen. For this brief time that we're together tonight, um, I want to talk from the subject of fiending for God. Fiending for God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that uh, you are our strength and our shield, a present, ever-present help in the time of trouble. And so, God, as we develop and build and grow and develop as a people, God, I'm praying that you would uh, help us to draw near to you and to grow in you and to pursue you with every fabric of our being, Lord God. And tonight I'm praying that the fiending would not cease, but it would grow deeper, Lord, and that we would be a people who are after you um, because we've been transformed and changed by you, Lord God. And so because of that, you call us into a relationship with you that is to be ever increasing, my master. And so, Lord, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight. All God, our strength, and our Redeemer in whom we trust. And help us not to just be hearers of the word, deceiving ourselves, but help us to be doers, God. Doers of the word, applying your truth by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ through the strength of the initiator himself, the Holy Spirit. Um, And and we pray that tonight that you would be glorified, your uh, saints would be edified, and your enemies would be horrified. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. You may be seated. Um, how many of you have been liking coming to the 530 gathering? It's a little different feel, right? Some of y'all didn't put your hand up, so you must not. But you're here. God bless you. Love you. Um, and and I'm, I'm just glad the, um, that, that we're continuing this. We've been going like a month or so or a little over a month, and that's been great to see. Um, many of you just continue to repetitiously see your face here. It's great. Um, in, in, in our passage today, we, 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 we have some things to cover. But it, it reminds me of back in about uh, 19, in, the, in, the, in the 80s when a, um, a, a, a rock hit the block. And this particular rock hit the block, and when it hit the block, it changed inner cities in the United States forever. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, BET did a series on the impact of that rock hitting the block called American Gangster. Um, and that reality of what happened when that rock hit the block changed everything because uh, uh, I don't know if any of you saw New Jack City, but when Nino Brown saw crack cocaine and found out how quickly addictive that crack cocaine was, he wanted to build an economy on people who were fiending. Somebody say fiending. Uh, a, a fiending or a drug fiend is a person who, once they've gotten addicted to drugs, build their lives around satisfying every urge to make sure that they get that particular high again. And once they get that particular high again, they feel good until that high goes away. And after that high goes away, they're extremely irritable because everything within them wants to experience uh, that life where they're going from uh, addiction in their addiction from high to high. And, 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 and that's a negative feeling. But I believe that in our passage today, we have a positive feeling, a redemptive feeling. Feeling means uh, to be extremely addicted and wanting after someone, something, or someplace. Y'all should hear me real quick. In, in, in other words, when you're fiending for something, that means when it's not around you, your, your heart is going after it. Your mind is preoccupied with it because everything in you has built your life around that particular thing. And in, the, in, this, in, these, in this passage, interestingly enough, uh, this is a passage about fiending. Not fiending for uh, a, a crack rock or heroin or uh, a illicit sexual activity, but it's about fiending for the one who's the ruler of lights. It's about fiending for the one who created all things, fiending after the one, being extremely addicted to God. I, I, I mean, I mean our, our lives should be driven by a healthy addiction. Like if we're going to be addicted to something, we should be addicted to him. Because when you're addicted to God and you get a hit on him, when you take him in, when you, when, 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 when you absorb him, when you puff the king of kings and the Lord of lords who dwells in unapproachable light, guess what happens? Um, it doesn't destroy your body. It actually builds you up. It's not, it's not a drug that takes away from you. Being in a relationship with God is a relationship that builds you and fuels you and 
puts you in line with being not fuzzy-minded, but clear-minded. It doesn't make you stumble. It makes you stand up. It doesn't make you act a fool. It helps you to be filled with the Spirit. When you are in a relationship with God through Christ and you fiending for that joint right there, it's a brand spanking new idea where God will do all different types of things in you that will line you up in a powerful and beautiful way to pursue Him, to love Him, and to be unadulteratedly changed by the gospel of Christ. And so we come here to a psalm. Psalms are written by different psalmists. This one was actually written by a group, co-written by a group of producers. Um, this production team uh, is different than Maybach Music and the Young Money Click and, you know what I'm saying, the whole, all, all the different ones, Drake's crew and everybody who got a crew that does production. Y'all didn't know the Bible had writers and production crews that arranged songs. Y'all didn't know that. But this group was, this clique was called the Sons of Korah. And, and, and this, group of, this, this group of producers love to produce for the living God. And, 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 they, and they love to produce fly music for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that got people, God's people addicted to them. They wrote Psalms uh, 42 to about the 48th or 49th Psalm. They also wrote, interestingly enough, um, Psalm 84 all the way through 88. But they didn't start off as writers of songs. Their, 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 their writing of songs came out of a broken place, a needy place. Back over in no, Numbers chapter 16, verse uh, verses 1 through about the 11th verse, um, we see that the sons of Korah, one day Moses was, you know, Moses, of course, was the leader of Israel, and he got to spend time in God's face, and he come off the mountain glowing, and he had to cover his face because the people didn't want to look at him like that because his face is glowing and shining with the glory of God. He bringing tablets off the mountain. I mean, this guy is killing it for the glory of Christ. So the sons of Korah were Levites. They were the lower level of Levites who served the Levitical priests or the Aaronic priesthood. And so one day, they got a little chip on their shoulder. They didn't like the place in life that God had given them. And because they didn't like the place in life that God gave them, they called a meeting with Moses. They said, Big Mo, come here. We want to holler at you. And when they got at Mo, they got at Mo and they got up on him and they got in his grill and he was like, yo, why are you the only one to get to spend time with the King of Kings and Lord of Lords? We want to be able to get some of that fly interaction with God. I mean, what make you so special? Uh, we all priests. I mean, can't we spend some time kicking it with God like you? I mean, can the sons of Korah get some love? You know what I'm saying? And Moses dropped to his knees and they thought, you know, I don't know if they was like, yeah, worship. But that's not what he was doing. He actually went into prayer and he asked the Lord to judge between them and him by the next day, him and Aaron and them. Next day, boom. They, 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 they came out in their fly array and came out like they wanted to get at him and all of that. And he said, all right, we're going we're gonna to go and go before the Lord and see what God does. Boom. Round verses 31 through 32. Craziness, right? Um, the, the God judges the sons of Korah as the ones who were tripping on God. And so the ground opens up and swallows the sons of Korah. Can you imagine that? I don't know. Can you imagine like on YouTube, you know what I'm saying? Can you imagine like a five billion hits where the ground just opens up and swallows a family? Like, I ain't talking about, when we say family, we ain't talking about mama, daddy, kids. We talking about, like, it, we, like we talking about, imagine your family reunion falling in the earth. That's what I'm talking about. That, that, that's what happened in, in that passage. <clears throat> but later on in chapter 26, verse 11, it says, God did not destroy all the sons of Korah. And what happened is the sons of Korah learned their lesson. What was their lesson? Is they learned the lesson of the fact that whenever you become dissatisfied with where God placed you, you're actually dissatisfied with God. And what happened was, is Moses told them, you, you, you ain't get, my grill ain't the grill you got in. Aaron says, you didn't come at me, right? He says, what really happened is you came at God. And God, when God has an issue, when he is supposed to be your satisfaction, and he places you in a place to be satisfied with him, and you become dissatisfied with where he's placed you because he's not enough, and in order to feel like God is enough, you want more from him, but really that more from him won't make him more of enough because if he's not enough where you are, he won't be enough when you take you somewhere else. And so, and, so, and, so, and so if God isn't all you need now, I don't care if you got a Bentley, I don't care if you're on MTV Cribs, they re, MTV Cribs 2.0, I don't care what you got. 
If God is not your heart, if God is not your, your place of refuge, if, if I, I don't care if you're living in a box on a corner, on a roof, if you have God, you have more than the person in Beverly Hills with paved driveways and, and palm trees around their property. You have more. So the sons of Korah right, and all their songs, they only said, you know, like today, all they got on the radio was dancing and chicks and drinking and bling, right? But they could, they was like that though. But the only thing they can write about is the fact that they need God. <laughs> That's all they wrote on. They were one-trick ponies. But it was enough to cause a tsunami in the body of God's people over the millennia because it's such a powerful, they wrote classic hymns like, like as the deer pants after the water, so does my soul pant after thee. Why would they write something like that? Because they learned that in their family history that not being satisfied with God alone is dangerous. They learned. They learned. And so they come here and write another classic. Commission even wrote this. I mean, Everybody writes on satisfaction stuff. You know, I'll come back to that in a second, but this brings me to my first, my first point. Fiending for God is to be addicted to his presence. Fiending for God is to be addicted. Somebody say addicted. Addicted. It's nothing. Do you know addictions aren't wrong? It's just according to what you're addicted to. <laughs> God is the only person or thing, if you want to say that, that you can, have, you can never have too much of. So you can have too much steak. You can have too much chicken. You know what I'm saying? You can have too much to drink, liquor or non-liquor. It doesn't matter. You can have too much of all of that, stomach bust, something, heart attack, high blood pressure. But you can, have, you can keep getting more of God to be honest, and really you don't get more of him as a believer. You only, he only gets more of you because he's already given you him. But we look at it in the way of when we give ourselves to him, he's given us more of himself. But really it's us fading away, finding out more of who he is that we already have that we didn't realize as we died ourselves. Somebody ought to hear me right there. And, 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 so, and, so, and so right here, my man's, my, 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 my boys, my, I like Cora. They some dudes that's been through the grind of pridefulness. They've been prideful. Now they come here and they say, how lovely are your dwelling place? Is your dwelling place, oh Lord, a host? In other words, we love being in your presence. They were the guys that served on the outer court of the temple. They served in the place where they could go, but they couldn't go further in. But they say, it's lovely to be around your presence. Now somebody, that, to me, that works in the equivalent of the church all the time, if you want to equate that that way. It seems like after being there for a while, you sort of, it sort of just become normal. It just sort of, you know, I've been around, it's like, it's like almost like, I don't know, being a PK or something, you know, you know, or, or whatever, where you're around spiritual things. I know people that went to church Sunday all day, Monday all day, you know what I'm saying, Monday after work, go to evening, all evenings during the week, and they get to the point where gathering with the saints or being around the presence of God and spiritual things loses his luster because there's no specific reverence for what's happening because I'm around it so much. And so, and, so, and so when you look here in this passage, you see people who serve in the presence of God, but they're continuously, progressively getting rocked by God's presence. So it's asking the question, how lovely? I mean, is your dwelling place, O Lord of hosts? For, uh, and and, and what, what does he say next? It's beautiful. He says, he says, my soul longs. He said, yes, faints. For the courts of the Lord, my heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. In other words, this is a person that's not gotten used to God. One of the dangers in your life is to get used to him. When you, when you, when you, and that means, see, if you've gotten used to God, you haven't gotten used to God. <laughs> Somebody go get that on the way home. In other words, if you've gotten used to God, that means he's by the wayside. But if you haven't gotten used to, if, if you've gotten used to God, then if, in, in a good way, then you realize you can never really get used to God. And so it's powerful how it's asking questions. How lovely. He's not talking about the building. He's not talking about the Salmonic temple where it had gold pomegranates and gold floors and all topazes and onyxes, biggest bling palace in the history of humanity. 
And in the midst of all of that, the thing that they're extolling is not the flyness of the place where God's Shekinah rests. They're, 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 fl- they're blown away by the fact that God would tabernacle among men. In other words, they have never gotten over, they've never gotten over the fact that God would make his resting place among human beings. In other words, not getting over that helps them to stay and stay and stand in awe of the reality of who God is. Booming, booming in lovely truth right here as they, as they drop in. He says, he says, my soul longs. You know what I'm saying? That, 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 he's talking about my, my affection. I, I have affections. You know, you could, <coughs> you could want something mentally but not want nothing, something effectually. It's possible to have something in your mind, but not in your heart. Here, when they say their soul and then they say their heart and flesh, flesh here is not negative. It's just talking about the, the, their body is reacting to their spirit's cry for God. You, 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 ever been, you, you ever yearned for God so much? Or have you ever yearned for God? Let me ask that, ever. Have you ever yearned for him? Have you ever been in a place where you notice that there's a distinct difference in your fellowship with him? Have you ever been in a place where you can sense almost the spirit of God calling you into God's presence? <laughs> That's a good place to be. That's not a place of guilt. That's a place of greatness that God would sparse and take the time out to prick your heart saying, I want to spend time with you. That's beautiful to me, that God would, as high as he sits and as low as he looks, yet omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent as he is, that he would look into the hearts of broken men and prick them to come chill with him. You know, you know what I'm saying? I was watching, I saw, you know how, you know, YouTube come up and, um, you know, a video come up and you just see some video, you just say, I'm going to just watch this. And I ain't going to name some of the stars that I saw. But I saw stars, they get out their car, they have on their minks and their fly gear. And people be, you know, taking pictures of them, but trying to, yo, can I get your autograph? Yo, can I spend Yo, let me give you my mixtape, da, 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 da. And homies like this and going all off and doing all like this. Yeah, yeah, trying to get off. You know, bodyguards going like this, like fall back. You know what I'm saying? And, and in other words, they, they're a big star and they, they, don't have the, they don't have the bandwidth to deal with all the people that want time with them. But God, being rich in his eternality, has the bandwidth to not let you. If he passes, he'll stop for you. I love the fact that God, listen, God is fly enough where he has the right to ignore us. You ain't listening to me tonight. He He has the right to just walk on by. But God, being rich in mercy, not only not walks past us, but he becomes a human and walks among us. It's powerful. And the word became flesh in skeneo that dwelled, pitched a tent among us. God wasn't too fly. He didn't have paparazzi after him. (laughs) He didn't have an entourage to fight. Even when his entourage wouldn't let the children come, he said, fall back. Let the children come to me. You know what I'm saying? In other words, God doesn't roll like a star even though he is one. That's what I love about the king. So when you look at the book, you see this God who makes time for each and every one of us individually can deal with all of our issues, past, present, and future, without getting overwhelmed. You ever been around somebody that try to deal with you? You, you, You know, I remember Precious, Precious, when she was in the office with the social worker, she said, I'm too much. And I, I was like, you are precious. You got a lot of issues. And, and I don't know if I can just sit down with you, precious, and walk you through all of that. We need a team, you know what I'm saying, to deal with the pandemic history of the brokenness of post-dramatic distress disorder of the inner city that you've dealt with. Amen. But God doesn't need that. God doesn't need a team to deal with you. Your too much doesn't overwhelm him. And so, and so spending time and getting in the presence of God and yearning and longing for him. He said, my heart faints. He said, I'm, he said, I'm fainting for the Lord. I, you know what I'm saying? Fainting here points to the fact that, man, I, I, I am in desperate. It's just like you ever been real thirsty. I'm talking about thirsty. Now, you ain't been desert thirsty, so don't act like anybody here ever been desert thirsty. Desert thirsty is a whole nother. That's humidity, walking in the desert like they do in the movies. You ain't never been out there. But I'm talking about you just got your basic thirsty. You know, I'm thirsty. Can I have some water? I'm thirsty. Can't get to none. And you finally get some water and it refreshes you. 
You ever fainted and then the water just went down and it felt like it was a meal because it felt so good? <laughs> that's what it's like for God to fill you up with himself. It's when you faint for him. That's why I like the fact that the Bible says, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Stand on them promises in the book, family. Them, them, them promises is for you and for me. It's an encouragement, right? So he said, my, he said, my, he said I faint, but he said, my heart and flesh cries out. And it even sings to the Lord. He said, he said, I know how to get God around me. See, some of y'all don't know how to get God in the room. Now, there's a sense in which God is in every believer. But there's a sense in which we can experience like Acts 4, 31, where the presence of God came into a place while they were worshiping and praying and shook the place. He said, I, he said you know what? I'm fainting for the Lord. The Bible says in Hebrews, draw near to God and he'll do what? Draw near to you. So he said, my, my, he said I just start singing for joy. In other words, I sing and I bless God where I'm not so that I can be where I want to be. <laughs> See, many of us don't understand worship. We think it's a wiring issue. We think it's, you know, I'm a, a high I, a S on the disc, disc you know, so if you know about the Myers-Briggs and all of that. Your, if you're saved, your wiring has changed. And your, your, your divine wiring through the spirit is bigger than your fleshly wiring in the flesh. <laughs> and, 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 and he said, he said I, this idea of sing for joy means make a lot of noise. Doesn't mean be quiet. It means, and, and joy points to the fact that it's trans-situational. That means that your situation shouldn't dictate how loud you get before the Lord. Now, it, now the loudness of the singing really ain't for God, it's for you. Because God doesn't have a hearing aid on, okay? So shouting doesn't make God hear you more. Like, when people say, let's shout so God can hear us, I'm like, well, he's everywhere. So, like, it ain't like we're going to shout and it's going to make its way to heaven. Like, you know, it doesn't work like that. He's everywhere. So, you know what I mean? But I understand what they're trying to say. But the intensity of your desperation comes through in how you cry out. Because even Jesus in his incarnation, based on Hebrews, prayed and worshiped with cry The Bible says, with loud shouts and cries. Now, if Jesus, who's God in the flesh, shouted and cried in the flesh because of his desperation of God, what about our little fallen, sinful, trifling, in process because of the gospel selves? But y'all going to still stay quiet, but that's okay. Maybe you'll work it out at home. But the Bible teaches us about these things, about this idea of what God wants to do in our lives in relation to us drawing near to him in powerful and glorious ways. Now, the psalmist gets mad jealous. I, I like this part because this is actually funny but crazy. So even the sparrow, verse 3, finds a home. It's on the board if you don't have a Bible. It says, and the swallow a nest for herself. It says, where she may find her young, lay her young at your altars, O Lord of hosts, may my king and my God. It's funny. So the sons of Korah are working in the outer court, and they look up. And they keep seeing birds going into the holies of holies. Like, you ever been in, like, Home Depot or somewhere? You, like, been indoors somewhere, and it's, like, birds flying around? Like, one time I was at 30th Street Station, and just, I thought, I, I thought it was, like, swarms. Like, that movie Swarm with the, it's just a group of birds just go, I'm like, now we inside wild birds in here. And so, and so <coughs> that's what it would have been like for the sons of Korah to just see some birds flying back and forth in the holies of holies. So you kind of look, and what happened was is birds started building their nests by the Ark of the Covenant. And because the sons of Korah couldn't go in there, they got jealous. They say, man, the birds build their nests near your presence. See, I wish. They're wishing for what they don't have. They're like, I wish that I could be closer to your presence than I am. But covenant at this time, limits me. <laughs> but covenant doesn't limit you anymore. You got, you got more access to God than anybody in the history of creation. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, the, the, the temple curtain tore from top to bottom, cracking ground, cracking open, thundering and lightning and everything. And the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, now we're able to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. So Jesus Christ's blood is the red carpet in the God's presence. 
So why we don't take advantage of it, family? It's a booming relationship. You ain't, gotta say, you ain't even got to say, well, let me see. Let me call God up and see. So call his assistant. Call Gabriel to see if he can set up a time for me and we get together. It don't work like God lets you come anytime you want. Anytime you want. Like, like you, you know, you have been, a, let me just give you an example. You ever been in a point in your day where the cussability level on your lips go up? Now, don't look at me funny because, hey, don't look at me like you ain't wanted to say something to somebody. Whether it's a, maybe cursing is your thing, but you wanted to do something that was out of the spiritual ordinary for a redeemed person. <laughs> and and for, for, for me, it's the cussability levels go up where stuff come to my mind that I want to elaborate on from an unredeemed verbal vernacular standpoint. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and, 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 and at that point is when access to God is important. You say, God, you know what? Hallelujah. I'm crying out right now in the mighty name of Jesus. This person getting on my nerve. God, they say one more thing. I'm a custom like we on the block in 1992 when, <laughs> when, when hip-hop was different. I mean, God, I'm going, I'm going to do NWA language on these folk. But I, I thank you for the Holy ah, I feel you now, God. I got the Holy Ghost. Praise your name. I feel better now. God, I'm glad I can come before you and vent when I want to. I'm going to tell you right now, the presence of God has just changed you. When you start talking to God as he's actually there, his presence, reality becomes more real. And you're like, oh, you're right there, so I can't wild out. See, some of us act like God comes to us. He's already there. We pray and stuff to realize that he's there. That's what your relationship with God does. It's for you to realize that he's already present. Yes. But, but, but the issue is many of us live outside of the manifest presence of God. Ah. The manifest presence, we, we live like he ain't around. We're like, God is somewhere, like when I go to church, he's there. But like he's not at the crib like that. Like he's not at Fresh Grocer like that. He ain't on the block like that. He ain't at my job like that. He's not in the boss's office or I'm the boss and got crazy employees or I'm, I'm not the boss and I got a boss and I got a crazy boss or whatever. I'm in the, whatever. But he's in all of those places. And it's for us. Listen, it's for us. Growing spiritually is recognizing God's presence. That's what it is. And so that's what they're yearning for. They're yearning for the reality to open their spiritual eyes more widely, okay? So look at what the verse says next. It said, blessed are those who dwell in your house, ever singing your praise. Now check this out. Blessed are those whose strength is in you. I like that. They ain't got no, they ain't got no self strength. They ain't got no global grind strength. They got Christ strength, right? It says, in whose heart are the highways to Zion, they used to make pilgrimages to Jerusalem. And what they used to do is take highways. There were dirt roads that were built to help you to go different directions. Like today we have roads. They had very, very simple roads in their day, right? But, but, but what he's saying is, is you're not making a physical pilgrimage to the presence of God, which is Zion, Jerusalem. You tracking with me? Um, but you, we want you to make a pilgrimage in your heart to the presence of God, even though you're not geographically near his presence in their day. Ain't that crazy? Now, in, now, what's crazy, though, is in our day, we're both geographically and spiritually in the presence of God at all times. Like right now, if you're a believer, you're in the presence of God. The, the issue is, is you ever seen somebody shout and get real happy like they say in the church, like caught the Holy Ghost, even though he's not a cold, but let's just use that terminology. Caught the, know what's happening to them? Worship. It's helping them to realize God's presence. It's God's presence doesn't come. See, what happens is, is you're peeling off the flesh to see where you really sit in Christ. See, that, that's what's happening. That's theologically what's happening. So what's happening, you're like, whoa, I know he was. But you're thinking the Holy Ghost, like they say, the Holy Ghost came in church today. He was already there with you when you walked in. But when you're worshiping, what happens is, is it pulls back all of the gunk and the mess that's in the way of you. That's why you, that's why somebody just break down crying. Folk land, that's why somebody, people run and take off because they can't take it. 
Like shouting really is you experiencing God's presence and can't take the fact that you're enjoying, you don't even want it to stop. You ever had a time, I don't, I don't know who, who I'm in here with right now. You have been in God's presence and it's been so crazy that you just don't want it to stop and you don't, people talking to you and stuff and ushers trying to hand you something and you're like, get away from me. You know, I want to just be in his presence. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't want to interrupt. <laughs> it's, it's just a good high to be in the presence of God. And so, and so being in the presence of God is just realizing his presence, not getting in his presence for the Christian, right? So check it out. So check it out. <laughs> so so, so look, at, look at what he says. He says, they go through the valley of Becca. I like this. The valley of Becca is deep. <laughs> this is not an actual valley. There's no such thing as a valley of Becca. Um, Becca, it means... They used to call place, they used to call sometimes dispositions of a person's heart a place that they go into spiritually. Baca means weeping, place of weeping, place of brokenness, place of to where you deal with your stuff. <laughs> in, other words, in other words, when you go to the valley of Baca, you're dealing with you. See, that's how you know in you and God's presence, when you see the real you. Not the Facebook, Twitter, Instagram you. Because, see, it's easy for you to put up a picture with my homies, out with friends, selfie on my way to work, um, look at what I'm eating, um, look at the neighborhood, uh, the sky is blue. Like, all that's some fake stuff. People don't see you like, this is me cussing somebody out. This is me when I was angry and I wanted to, you know, they ain't see me. I just got fit. Listen, you know what I'm saying? This is me when I woke up, breath stinking, hair messed up. You're not going to do it. You're going to wait till you do it. Look at me, first day of the year, selfie of the weekend, all of that. Get it, boo. Work it and all of that, right? But see, the Valley of Baca is when you turn off social media. And because and, and, and God know the person you are, like husband and wife be like, ah, I don't like you. I hate you too. Look at the selfie right here real quick. Now, we so in love, glad to have been together for five years today. But y'all were just arguing. Ain't nobody see that, right? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because we like, we like to put what we perceive ourselves to be forward. The Valley of Baca is where you, where, you take all, where you just erase your whole, delete all of your social media spiritually. And you say, I'm going to go to this place before God, how do you deal with it? When you get in God's presence, guess what you're automatically in the presence of? His holiness. His holiness always forces you to see who he is, and reflexively, you see who you are. Okay, y'all looking at me funny. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he says, and it ended up coming up with the fact, he said it was singing to him, holy, holy, holy is the Lord, heaven's hook. Uh, 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 holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And then all of a sudden later he says, I am undone. He said, in other words, I'm not perfect. I see my imperfections now. Why? Because he's in the presence of God. He said, I'm a un man of unclean lips among an unclean. He didn't see all that until he was in God's holiness. See, the importance of being, a, and the, the thing about being in Christ that challenges us, family, is it challenges us to deal with the real mess in our life. And, and guess what? That's good. That's a good thing, though. Like, you need the valley of Baca. You, that's, that's what I love about Christianity and a fake religion. It's not fake. It ain't. It's about holiness and help. It's about seeing God who, where he is, seeing yourself, <coughs> and we seeing ourselves for who we really are. And asking God to deal with that. And so look what he says, though. What I like about this is you go through the valley of Baca. You don't stay there. Did you see the verse? I, I, like, I like that because, see, some of us like the, there's a group of us, I don't know how small or big it is, that have pity parties. And the valley of Baca, we like it because we like to see our issues but not deal with them because we like to complain, not get changed. <laughs> And so, and, so, and so what happened there, it, it, it's your fault that I'm like I am. People always, every time somebody go in the pool before me, I could have got healed, God. Jesus said, do you want to be made well, though? Right. You know what I mean? And so, and so, and so in the valley of back, you go through it. You don't build a house. You pitch a tent. So look at what it says here. He says, but it's a fruitful place 
Why is the valley of Baca a fruitful place? Because look what it says next. Look at the verses. It says, <clears throat> it says, they make it a place of springs. The early rain cover, covers it with pools. What does that mean? Early rain talks about the season of uh, where things are fertilized. Now you got to recognize they haven't gone to, they're not going towards Jerusalem, so they're not talking about the fields. What are they talking about? They're talking about when you deal with your stuff, tears are many times in the Bible representative of fertilizing things. Tears represent rain coming down. And here is representing the tears being like springs because there's so many. That means you're dealing with everything. That's how much you're crying. And it hits the ground where seeds are dropped to water the things that God wants to do in your life. There's some things in your life that God won't do till you cry. There's some things in your life. Now, fellas, you can say, I ain't, I ain't going to cry. Shoot, I'm a man. Shoot. There are other ways that I can deal with this situation. You know what I'm saying? The way I roll, I don't roll like that. You know what I'm saying? Talk it out or something. Shoot some ball. Work it out in some anger or something. Nah. Tears. Brokenness. That means vulnerability. Telling the truth. You shouldn't just fall in love with somebody. If, uh, if, even though, the, anyway, falling in love is funny. But <laughs> um, I'm trying to go past that. I, I don't want to stop there. Um, but, but, but we should be a people who are in such a place of God neediness where we're a second away from tears. We're sensitive to who God is, and God's presence is nigh. Us in such a way that we can cry in a moment. Now, I ain't talking about the lady off like good times or something that went to all the funerals and you know, Letty, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, look it up. But she cried all the time um, for nothing. But we're talking about crying in me. I always tell my sons, they be crying about stupid stuff. I'll be like, listen, if you, I don't mind a man crying, but let, let it mean something. Don't just be crying all the time. Because your tears don't mean nothing unless they got a heart thing going on with you when you're crying. That's what's going on here. <coughs> Bible even uses it. Later in the Psalms, it says, you sow in tears but reap in joy. Right? So tears have a point of being, being, being that which waters places of fertilization, and you there's some things in your life that God has planted in your life that he's not going to release to you until you deal with you. <laughs> and, but, but you think you can bypass the valley. And God said you can't bypass the valley to be in the season of fruitfulness that I want you in. You're not going to get in the season of fruitfulness until you deal with your brokenness. Because brokenness always, when dealt with before God, leads to fruitfulness. Because the Bible said God is near to the brokenhearted and those who are crushed in spirit. And God is literally, this is what God is addicted to, authentically broken people. He can't help it. If you authentically broke, he's coming after you. Like, he's going, he's, he, you ain't even got to pray sometimes in those states. He just, the Holy Ghost pray for you. You know what I'm saying? I love the fact that the Bible does that. But I'm the only one that likes that. I'm going to keep going since I'm alone. Um, let's, uh, let's keep it moving in Jesus' name. It says, these people, they, in verse 7, they go from strength to strength. That means they find strength in him, not strength in himself. They go from one level of strength to another level of strength to another level of strength to another level of strength. Well, how do they find strength? In weakness. Some of us think we're strengthened by being strong. In the Bible, everything's backwards. Everything. If you, if you, anything you think is forward, just turn, it's like Bizarro World and Superman and the Super Friends, if you remember that. I'm sorry, I'm dating myself. Anyway, um, just backwards world. Bizarro said everything back. It's kind of like Yoda talk, right? The kingdom is like Yoda. Here, here I am, we are. He always puts the direct, op mind. but yeah, so that's what happens, right? And so, <laughs> when we look at this idea of strength, what God does powerfully is that God wants you to admit your weakness so that he can give you strength. Because if there's strength in the way, it's not enough room for his strength to come in. So it takes weakness to be filled with strength. And so that's why when you change oil, you can't put old, uh, you can't, Put new oil in a car, it's called changing oil. You got to take the other oil out before the other oil will fit in there. 
and the new oil can't fit in there with the old cruddy oil fitting in there. Listen, your strength is old cruddy oil. 3,000 mile, 10,000 mile, about to lock up your engine oil. Let God's strength come in and change your soul. Look at what he says. He says, O Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O Lord God of Jacob. He says, behold, behold our shield. <laughs> I like that. Now he realizes as he's in the presence of God, oh, God's a shield. In other words, behold comes from something you noticed that you didn't notice. The presence of God helps you to notice that God was protecting you even though you didn't know he was protecting you. Some of us complain about how bad things got but don't know that things could have gotten worse if God wasn't a shield. God only let happen to you what he let happen to you, but it could have been worse than what he let happen to you. Well, God being a shield can either protect you. God, you some of y'all should have just shouted on that part. Know why you should have shouted? Because God kept you from some stuff he didn't even tell you about. There's some stuff, there's some stuff that God kept you from. See, you should see somebody missed their shout moment. See, you would have ran if you would have seen. See, if God, I wish God, I hope God has a, like a vat or some type of category in heaven where he just opens up like storehouses of stuff he kept from us. If God could just show you a video in HD of the mess you could have been in, if he wasn't a shield of you, taking care of your old crazy self, looking out for you, and he kept you from some stuff, you from some stuff, and some stuff from you. He kept some folk from you that could have tore up your life. He kept some accidents from you that could have tore up your life. He kept some, some bombs and some darts from the devil that if he would have let it loose in your life, you would be a wreck. But because he's good in mercy and his mercy endures forever, he's a shield to those who spend time with him. Yeah, he's a shield. He's a, he's a shield. I love that about him. He, listen, listen. Some of you mad at what God let through, but you're not going to be as mad at what he let through than what he didn't let through. What he let through is to teach you something. You know, but for me, I don't even need to see what he did. I can just shout because he just didn't let it all happen to me. Amen. Amen, preacher. Preach, pastor. Anyway. Look on the face of your anointing. There is Jesus. <coughs> Points forward to the anointed one, Messiah, Hamashiach, Yeshua, the Lord Jesus. The king is a shield to his people because he's supposed to protect the nation. Ultimately, no king did a good job in the Old Testament protecting the nation. So ultimately, it points forward to the one who fully protects the nation. Real quick, as we close, he says, for... A day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper. I'd better be an usher and not experience no church service in the house of God than to be wilding out with wicked folk. That's what the text says in the Hebrew. Um, he says, verse 11, he says, for the Lord God is a son. He shines his face upon you. It means favor. He's a son. He S-U-N, he, he, this idea is throughout the Psalms of him shining his face, lifting up the light of his countenance upon his people. It's beautiful. That means he's looking at you favorably to do good in your life. Isn't that beautiful? That God is determined to do good in your life, but good from his perspective, not yours? <laughs> let, me, let me just tell you that. Can I pause, can I pause there for two, two second abilities right there? Um, some of us, some of the good that we perceive as good ain't good. That's present, spending time with God helps us to understand good. The reason why the, the Pharisees couldn't recognize Jesus is because they had what was good in their mind. You can't recognize God's good until you let go of what you think is good. <laughs> and that's where you'll begin to live. You can't live until you die to what you want. Because when God transforms you through time with him, He'll make you see good from his perspective versus your own. It, for example, you may want to marry somebody because they fine in the mug. Because most of y'all single in here. I'm looking around. Most of y'all single. And you be like, man, six-packable, you know what I'm saying, triceptical, you know, good facial artistry, you know what I'm saying, dude, some boom, bow, all right, I can work with that. But really... You're making a fleshly judgment of goodness. Because if you see who God wants you to marry, they might not even look as good as the person that you want to marry, but the good that God has in them makes them more physically and spiritually attractive than marry a fine fool. Yeah. 
See, some of y'all will marry a fine fool. And, you, and then won't even get out of the fineness which you wanted because y'all always had each other. That's why it's better to just marry who God wants you to marry versus just going after a fool who you found out as a fool because all you was looking at is fineness, not walking by faith. <laughs> Look at the book. So, so what he says in verse 11, he's a, he's a son in a shoe, he protects. Then he says, the Lord bestows favor and honor or exaltation. He says, no good thing does he withhold. Do you know he's, he's ready to get blessed his people? I'm not talking about name it, claim it, blab it, grab it, call it, haul it, say what you want, God gives it to you. That's not biblical. Don't get mad at me. Talk to me after the gathering. He says, no good thing from his perspective that's good does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. Now, walking uprightly doesn't mean being perfect. See, most of us think, when I saw that, when you see the uprightly, like, dang, that means integrity. I, I'm, I'm a mess. Like, I ain't got no good thing from the Lord. You know what I'm saying? He's going to be withholding a whole bunch of stuff from me with my crazy stuff, right? But see, understanding uprightness biblically changes you. Guess who God called upright? Abraham. Abraham was a liar. He was a liar. He called Moses upright in his humility. But guess what he did? God told him to speak to the rock, and he struck the rock and wasn't able to go into the promised land. He called David a man after his own heart. David was a lying, murderous, prideful people counter that made thousands of people get killed because he wanted to do a census. Those are the type of people God chose and called them upright. How in the world can they have all that sin and be upright? Because of repentance. (laughs) What makes a person upright is not themselves, but God standing them back upright because they submit to him in their brokenness. (laughs) That's what makes you upright. Uprightness don't come from you. Oh, I I don't never sin. Well, you're not upright because you just lied. And you ain't going to back her with me. You can't go to backer talking about how fine you are and how fly you are. Backer people know how broke they are. They just broke, mess, messed up folk. And, they, and then they know that the reason why I stand is because of God. The reason why I stand is because Christ has taken care of me. And that's why it says, blessed are those who trust the Lord. It ends on faith. Faith for us, our object of our faith is Christ. And when we put our confidence and fullness of trust in Lord Yahshua, family of God, what happens gloriously and beautifully is we become upright because of what he does for us, not what we do for him. Let me say that again. We become upright because of what he's done, not what we do. You got to get that. We do not become upright because of our own work. We become upright because he stands us up in Christ. And that's what's good about being in the Lord Jesus Christ is they had a, they had a difficult view. They couldn't see. They had altars, uh, tabernacles, temples, all those things. But Jesus Christ came back, family, and Jesus Christ became the prototype person to create the brand-spanking new community that became the actual temple of God. First Peter chapter 2, we're the new temple, and so we're filled with the presence of God already. And so what's holding you back from spending time with the one who you have all that contact. You got any time you want. You could be chewing gum and talk to Jesus. You could be chewing, you could be putting on your clothes. You could be in the shower talking to the master. You know, Muslims, they got to do all this and, and go all of that, do all of that and put a sheet out and all of that. And we ain't got to do nothing. See, to prepare, like we ain't washing your hands off and all of that and going like that and flinging it and doing. We ain't got to do, we don't make ourselves clean. All we got to do is open our mouth because Jesus said you're already clean because of the word that you believed. (laughs) And so, again, I close and just pray that in 2015 that you would maximize your access to Christ. That's all I want to say tonight. Maximize your access. Father, we thank you for the ability to fiend for you. And fiending for you means we draw near to you. Um, I can... Lord, I pray that, this is what I'm going to pray for the church. I'm praying that you would put your people in situations of desperation 
to realize their need for you. That's what I pray. I pray, God, that you would transform and break and deal with and challenge your people to revere you and seek your presence. And Lord God, I'm thanking you that you're the only one that can help us to even yearn from you. The only way we can yearn for you is to be changed by you to know that we need to fiend for you. And so God, will you do that in the life of your people? Maybe there's someone here, you don't know Christ the Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins, for your sins, for how messed up you and I are, raised up from the grave. God on the cross put all of his anger. He took his beef with us out on Jesus, not on us. So that those who repent from their sin and turn towards him, guess what? We'll go from spiritual death to spiritual life and wouldn't have to spend eternity separated from Jesus, but from God. So if you're here today, Jesus' arms are outstretched wide, saying, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, and I give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart, and you'll find rest for your soul. Meaning, you don't have to try to work for your salvation. You won't get it that way. Trust my work for your relationship with God. That's what salvation is. So if you're here today, you want to put your trust in Christ. It's simple. Trust him by faith that he, what Christ did on the cross and raised up from the grave for you, puts you in a relationship with him. Is there anyone here that hasn't put their faith in Christ? Just slip your hand in the air. We want to walk you from spiritual death to spiritual life. Anyone. Anyone. We want to take you to, to, to Christ. We want to want you to meet Jesus Christ as Savior. Anyone. Anyone here says, I want to put my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. Well, maybe you're here tonight and you're saying, Man, I know Jesus Christ the Savior, but you know what? I'm in a drought, and I need to yearn. I, I, I don't know why I'm in a drought, but I, I want to yearn for God. I, want, I'm, I need to fiend for him again. I just want to pray for you. Why don't you stand on your feet? If you're saying, yes, I, uh, this was for me tonight, this was for me, and I want to fiend for Jesus. I want to pursue him. Thank you for being so bold, ladies. Thank you so much for being bold. Anybody else? This says, I, 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 I want to up my game in pursuing the face of Christ. Anybody else? This says, I, I, I know I need to. Thank you, bro, for standing up. Thank you for being bold. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else that says, yeah, God, I want to yearn for you more. I want to I I be in your grill constantly, maximizing my access to you. Amen. Father, we thank you. Thank you, brother, for standing up. Another brother, stand up. Thank you. Father, I, I pray for these that have stood up, that you would, you said, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Fill them, Lord. Fill them, Lord, ferociously with your presence. Fill them with your majesty and fill them with, help, that, help them this week even, to help to, this week to sort of be a compass for tracking their way back to intensity of love and presence of you, Lord God. Do, do, do what only you can do, Lord God. And we thank you in advance for that, Lord God. You're okay, brother. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Thank you, Father, for, for your mercy. And I just pray in the mighty name of Christ, in the mighty name of Christ, that you would do a work down deep, like the deer pants after the water. Um, like the deer pants after the water, so does my soul, our soul. It pants for thee, Lord God. Lord God, and, and, and I'm praying that that would be, that you would nurture in your people such a hunger, such a thirst for righteousness. And you promised that you would feel, you would feel us who hunger and thirst. So nurture in us only what you can nurture, bubble up in us only what you can bubble. You said out of our belly will flow rivers of living water of unending satisfaction towards heaven. Lord, do it in Jesus' mighty name. Please, God, we beg of you, do what only you can do. And we thank you. In advance, in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Everybody agree with that saying? Amen.